RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines, Chief Executive Carrie Lam says it's unlikely there will be any relaxation of Hong Kong's strict border control measures before she steps down at the end of June. Foreign Minister Wang Yi has welcomed the United Nations Human Rights Chief to China, saying he hopes her trip will clarify misinformation. And a group of British politicians has described the UK government's handling of, of the withdrawal from Afghanistan last year as a catastrophic failure of intelligence, diplomacy and planning. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says it's unlikely there will be any relaxation of Hong Kong's strict border control measures before she steps down at the end of June. Mrs. Lam stressed that imported cases of COVID-19 now account for a significant share of infections here and that sub-variants of Omicron were being brought in. We have to be extremely careful uh, in sort of implementing the uh, restrictions on uh, border controls. I would say uh, at this point in time that it is uh, very unlikely that during my term there will be more relaxations on the border controls. In other words, uh, we will still have the hotel quarantine. We will still require vaccination uh, before a passenger could board a plane to Hong Kong. And uh, we will still impose the uh, test and hold, whether at the airport or at the hotel for a PCR test in order to keep Hong Kong safe. On the question of whether the vaccine pass should be dropped, Mrs. Lam noted that experts hold varying opinions but said the government believes there's still room to increase the vaccination rate. She said that as only just over half the population have so far received a booster shot, it will stay for the time being. The mainland has reported another 688 new COVID infections, 180 fewer than yesterday. The cases are mainly in Shanghai, which logged 480, 12 percent of which were symptomatic. An 85-year-old female patient who suffered from several chronic diseases has died, bringing the mainland's death toll to 5,224. Beijing reported 48 cases, 41 of which were symptomatic. Back Back home here, an expert in elderly care has urged the government to provide more support to help care homes upgrade their facilities. Lawmakers will tomorrow discuss proposed legislation that looks at raising the minimum area per resident, enhancing staffing levels, and tightening regulation on care home operators. Vera Tang, Deputy Director of the Asia-Pacific Institute of Aging, Aging Studies at Lingnan University, says some small private care homes may face closure job uh, to to uh, provide care for some at uh, the poor health elderly but at the same time because uh, we are facing um, the immigration issues that means some of the nurses may um, uh, move to live in another country and also because um, uh, this um, research uh, find that the average uh, uh, age of the care worker is um, uh, 50 years old. So for those uh, who have to have some uh, heavy labor work, they may um, uh, easily to get injury or something like that. So it's really difficult uh, to to uh, retain the, the worker. Foreign Minister Wang Yi has welcomed the United Nations Human Rights Chief to China, saying he hopes her trip will clarify misinformation. Michelle Bachelet's landmark trip to China is the first by the UN Human 
Sorry, by the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights in 17 years. She is set to visit the cities of Urumqi and Kashgar in Xinjiang today and tomorrow. Mr. Wang, who met Ms. Bachelet yesterday, stressed Beijing has always safeguarded the rights of ethnic minorities. The UN High Commissioner's Office said last year it believes the mostly Muslim ethnic Uyghurs in Xinjiang have been unlawfully detained, mistreated and forced to work. Beijing denies the allegations. Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is today hosting a summit of the so-called Quad, which also includes India, Australia and the United States. Australia's new center-left Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, flew up to Tokyo just hours before being sworn into office yesterday. Before departing from Canberra, he had this to say about his country's relationship with China. The relationship with China will remain a difficult one. I said that before the election, that has not changed. Uh, It is China that has changed, not Australia. And Australia should always uh, stand up for our values, and we will in a government that I lead. Premier Li Ka-cheng has congratulated Mr. Albanese on his election. Uh, According to the Xinhua News Agency, Mr. Li said Beijing is ready to work with Canberra to review the past, look into the future, and uphold the principle of mutual respect and benefit. He added that the sound and stable development of the two countries' relations is conducive to peace, stability, development, and prosperity in the Asia-Pacific region. A Russian diplomat has quit over his country's conflict with Ukraine. Boris Bondarev, a counselor at Russia's mission to the United Nations in Geneva, said he'd never been more ashamed of Russia as when it sent its troops across the border. In Moscow, the BBC's Steve Rosenberg has more. Mr. Bondarev described Russia's military offensive as not only a crime against the Ukrainian people, but also the people of Russia. Since President Putin launched in February what he calls his special military operation in Ukraine, there have been few public resignations from Russian state institutions. But Mr Bondarev explained that after 20 years of being a diplomat, he could no longer share in what he called this bloody, witless and absolutely needless ignominy. The United States Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has said 20 countries have stepped forward to supply additional military support to Ukraine. Mr. Austin spoke after hosting a virtual meeting of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group. I'm especially grateful to Denmark, which announced today that it will provide a harpoon launcher and missiles to help Ukraine defend its coast. I'd also like to thank the Czech Republic for its substantial support including a recent donation of attack helicopters, tanks, and rocket systems. The UN's World Food Program has described Russia's blockade of Ukraine ports as a declaration of war on global food security. Issuing the warning at the World Economic Forum in Davos, the executive director of the WFP, David Beasley, said it could push millions of people worldwide into famine. If we don't open those ports, you're talking about a declaration of war on global food security. It will have extraordinary consequences. We are already facing the worst worst food crisis since World War II. And when you take 400 million people that are fed by the food that comes out of Ukraine and you shut that off, and then you add on top of that fertilizer problems, droughts, food costs, fuel costs, we're looking at a hailstorm on Earth. The African Development Bank has approved a 1.5 billion U.S. dollar fund to to support food production across the continent. 
A group of British politicians has described the government's handling of the withdrawal from Afghanistan last year as a catastrophic failure of intelligence, diplomacy and planning. In a report into the evacuation, the MP said British soldiers and their Afghan allies were utterly let down by deep failures of leadership. The chair of the UK's Foreign Affairs Committee, Tom Tugendhat, said the operation should never have been so last minute. What we could have done really from 18 months out when the warning started is begun the really serious preparations, knowing who we needed to evacuate, planning on how we would get them out and where we would take them. The biggest problem that I'm afraid we found was that we didn't manage to get the clarity out of the senior officials that we hoped for and that the British people should expect. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is facing renewed calls to resign after new pictures were published of him drinking at a gathering in Downing Street at a time when parties were not allowed because of the COVID pandemic. The pictures were obtained by ITV News, which says they're taken in November 2020. The opposition Labour Party said the images showed the Prime Minister lied to Parliament when he repeatedly insisted all COVID rules had been followed. Tangham Debonair is a senior Labour politician. I had a member of staff move on from my team during the pandemic. We, had, we said goodbye to him on Zoom. He was sitting on a park bench. It was during winter. And one of my colleagues took some presents, put them on the park bench, and then stepped two metres away. We were sticking to the rules. That's what counted as a work event during the COVID pandemic. It's absolutely outrageous to claim that you can just party with bottle after bottle after bottle, which are clearly visible in this photograph, and, and count that as a work event. A cabinet minister said Mr. Johnson wanted an official report on the parties to be published in full. He would then come to Parliament to discuss it with the MPs. The World Health Organization says a recent outbreak of monkeypox in non-endemic countries can be contained. A WHO expert on emerging diseases, Maria Van Kerkova, says the aim was to stop human-to-human transmission and stressed that it was a small outbreak. As surveillance expands, we expect that more cases will be seen. But we do need to put this into context because it's not COVID. So we have so far seen less than about 200 cases of confirmed and suspected cases so far. Another official with the WHO said it did not have any evidence that the disease had mutated and that it tended not to change. The disease is normally only found in Africa, but dozens of cases have been reported in North America and Europe. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 20,170. That's 288 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $59 billion. In currencies, one U.S. dollar will buy you 127.68 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and six cents, and the pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 86 cents. Now to sport, and the four-time Grand Slam tennis champion Naomi Osaka says she may skip Wimbledon after the event was stripped of its ranking points. The move by the ATP and WTA came in response to Wimbledon banning Russian and Belarusian players over Russia's attack on Ukraine. Osaka did not criticize the move, but said earning ranking points was a huge motivation. I would say, like, the decision is kind of affecting, like, my mentality going into grass. Like, I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to go there. I would love to go just to get some experience on the grass court, but, like, at the same time for me, it's kind of, like, I I don't want to say pointless, no pun intended, but, like, (laughs) like, I... 
I'm the type of player that gets motivated by like seeing my ranking go up. So I think the intention was really good, but the execution is kind of all over the place. If I play Wimbledon without points, it's more like an exhibition. I know this isn't true, right? But my brain just like feels that way. And whenever I think like something is like an exhibition, I just can't go at it 100%. I didn't even make my decision yet, but I'm leaning more towards not playing. And that's Naomi Osaka speaking after her first round loss at the French Open. She was beaten 7-5-6-4 by the American Amanda Anasimova. Men's favorite Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic both cruise into the second round with straight set wins. After beating Jordan Thompson for his 106th match win at Roland Garros, Nadal gave this reaction on playing through injury. That's the situation today. I got injured and that's it. What happened is past and here we are. We are in Roland Garros and I am here to try my best. And uh, how is my level of confidence? How the things would be if I didn't get injured? I don't know. We never know. So I am not a big fan of uh, think about the, the things that could happen. Football. The incoming Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag says he's not thinking about winning the English Premier League title just yet. United finished the season 35 points behind the winners, Manchester City. The former Ajax boss knows he has a massive challenge ahead, but believes he's made the right decision to take the job. I don't see it as a risk. This club has a great history, and now let's make a future. It's really exciting to do that. The people around eh, who are in the club, we bring some new people in, in the staff. We will analyze the squad, and we will go from day to day, work hard, 100% committed, and I'm sure we will get a success. The confidence is I have good feeling with the people around. I have a good feeling from the meetings. We have a plan, and now it's about to get the plan done. Uh, to get it into process, uh, to cooperate, to be consistent in our plan. When we have good people around with uh, the right connection of the right commitment, uh, we will achieve the success we want to. On the ice, the reigning Stanley Cup champions Tampa Bay Lightning are a step closer to retaining the trophy after completing a series sweep over the Florida Panthers with a 2-0 win in Tampa. They advance to Eastern Con- to the Eastern Conference Final and will face either the New York Rangers or the Carolina Hurricanes. In the later game, the Colorado Avalanche stunned the St. Louis Blues away from home with a 6-3 win that puts them 3-1 to ahead in that series. And taking a look at the weather, mainly cloudy with a few showers, isolated thunderstorms later, the maximum temperature will be around 27 degrees, moderate to fresh easterly winds. And the outlook, a few showers in the next few days, hot over the weekend. The temperature currently at the observatory is 25 degrees Celsius and the humidity a very muggy 92%. And that's the news, sports and weather from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. It's Tuesday, which of course means that there is some element of food and drink talk on the program. After 1.30, my guest on Soundbite is Shirley She, And um, she's an avid follower of Soundbite. And Shirley is a mom of three, has a doctorate degree and loves eating all sorts of food. She says that people are often surprised by how much she can eat, being quite a tiny person. And today she's going to share her special food memories on Soundbite. After 2pm, Andrew Dembini has got some interesting things on his menu as he joins us for the latest local and global food and drinks news. And after 2.30, as the summer is upon us, I look into some of the causes of foodborne illnesses, just so that you don't end up with a dodgy.